Lord, we pray that you would use what you say to us through music and through word proclaimed to help us know you better. We pray this in your name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. There's an old saying that says, in order to prepare a bacon and egg breakfast, the chicken need only be supportive, but the pig has got to be committed. (laughs) Today I'm speaking to us pigs. This is Worship Through Music Sunday, and normally we don't have a sermon on that day, but today we do, because I think this is an important moment in the life of our church. So I want to take a few minutes uh, to set the music up that we're going to hear about. Uh, And don't worry, you'll still get out of here on time, sort of. The music you're about to hear is all about Christ and his sacrifice for us. And it's also about children. And that's the question I want to ask for a minute. What does it mean to be so committed to something that you're willing to sacrifice for it, just as Christ sacrificed himself for us? And I think this is an important topic as we go through this journey called the ripple effect. Our campaign to do three things in three concentric circles of influence. Replace our aging education wing with newer, better, larger space for our children and youth to learn about Jesus. The second circle is to purchase a building in the Lake Hills neighborhood of Bellevue and start a nonprofit corporation called the Jubilee Reach Center that will provide tutoring, ESL classes, after-school programs, maybe down the road things like medical and legal clinics to help at-risk youth and families break out of poverty in our community. And the third circle is to build a center for street kids in Rwanda. That will take a couple hundred kids a year off the streets, train them, give them job skills like carpentry, uh, uh, weaving, welding, things like that so they can support themselves. We'll also provide clean water and education for children in southern Sudan. Sudan is an Islamic country and this gives us a chance to introduce Jesus to Muslim people. Three circles all having to do with children and youth all done in the name of Jesus. And in order to reach the $14 million necessary to do it, It's going to take some sacrificial giving from all of us. Giving over and above what we already give to the operating budget. Because that's what we use to help provide life-changing ministries. And we need to keep that going. It's going to take some sacrifice. But sacrifice is not always an easy thing to do, is it? We don't like to do it. A man this week told me that he's been talking with his kids about what maybe they could give up uh, to support the capital campaign. And he says they're not quite getting it yet. They're willing to sacrifice things like going to the dentist, right? We can not go to the dentist, right? That's giving up something. Or they're giving up things that they don't like, but they know their brother really does. That kind of thing. Sacrifice is hard to do. And when it's connected with the idea of giving, I think it produces a lot of feelings of guilt and obligation in us. You know, questions like, I should or I ought, and I just feel so bad for not doing it. I'm guilty. Questions like, well, how much does it take to count as sacrifice? But I don't think that's what God does. God doesn't lay a guilt trip on anyone. And that is definitely not the point of this sermon. God doesn't want us to feel guilty. That's, That's Satan's job. That's what he does. Instead, what God wants is a relationship with us. And I think what he asks of all of us right now as we go through this journey together as a church is that we engage with him in prayer and then let him move our hearts to give what it is that he wants us to give. And when we do that, our giving is not a burden anymore. It becomes a joy. It's not an obligation. It's a joy. That's what's interesting about people in the Bible. You know, a lot of them seem to like giving sacrificially. Just gave them joy. There's a story about King David when he's going to buy the land to build the temple. And 
the farmer who owned the land said, you don't have to buy it. Here, just take it. You're the king. But David said, no, I will not sacrifice an offering that costs me nothing. David seemed to want to give and to give sacrificially. So the question I want to ask is, if sacrificial giving has been so good for so many people for so long, well, then what is it that we're missing if we don't do it? What's so great about sacrificial giving? Well, I think there's a lot of things. For one, it it helps our hearts become more like God's. But I think the real joy, and the one I want to focus on today, is that it's through sacrificial giving that we get to be a part of bringing God's hope to the world. And that's exciting. You know, a year or so from now, we'll be seeing pictures up there of that street kid center in Rwanda as it's getting built. And then a little while later, we'll start to hear stories of kids who are on the street in danger of dying. And now they've learned a trade and they're supporting themselves and, and, and they're on their way to a healthy, good life. And if we've given, if we've been part of this campaign, we'll be able to say, I was part of bringing God's hope to that kid. And we'll hear stories in our own community about families being lifted out of poverty through the Jubilee Reach Center. Some even coming to know Christ through that. And we'll know that we have been a part of giving that family hope. And we'll see our own youth discovering Jesus and in a sex-soaked, materialistic world making counterculture decisions to follow Christ and live the abundant life. And we'll know that we've been part of bringing God's hope to them. And because we're doing this together as a church, it's going to feel more personal. In fact, each of those three circles represents a place where we can get personally involved. You could teach Sunday school or be a youth leader. We can volunteer at the Jubilee Reach Center or go to the Street Kids Center in Rwanda on a short-term mission trip. This summer, we're doing another all-church workday. The first one was so much fun, we're going to do it again. We'll be at four different schools and at the Jubilee Reach Center renovating that. You can sign up at the Ripple Effect table today. You might want to help with Eastside Academy's golf tournament, which seems like a sacrifice to me. Chasing a ball around with a little stick. I'm glad some of you like it. You can sign up in the narthex if you do. <laughs> giving makes us a part of what God is doing in the world. And when we give sacrificially, we go from being participants in what God is doing to being investors. And there's a difference. I can be a participant in what Starbucks is doing by buying a latte. I become an investor if I buy some of their stock. Costs me a little bit more but I also get a lot more rewards from it. When we give sacrificially, it makes us investors in God's kingdom, and we know that we are part of bringing his hope to the world. Last month when I was announcing this capital campaign, there were several people, several couples, who were sitting in the 945 service in our community center. And as I was talking about the capital campaign, they started looking around, and they realized that someone in the past had given sacrificially so that that building could be built, which allowed them to have space to be able to come to this church. And they were grateful for that because this church has changed their life. And so to those of you who have given in the past to those campaigns, thank you. You have been a part of changing lives through your gift. When we were in Rwanda last year, we went to a rally for street kids. And sitting sort of to the front of me on my left was about 20 or so little 8- or 9-year-old girls. And they're just cute as a button. I mean, just And I was watching them as they were singing with these big smiles on their face. And then the translator leaned over to me and he said, you see all those little girls? All of them have to work as prostitutes just to have something to eat. And I thought someone had kicked me in the stomach. I thought I was going to die. And in that moment, I would have sacrificed a lot of things to get them out of that. 
but not out of guilt. I wasn't sitting there going, oh, I have so much and they have so little. I should feel, oh, I just feel like a worm. That was not what was going through my head. And that's not what God says to us. What God says to us is, do you want to be a part of what I'm doing? Do you want to partner with me in giving Satan a black eye for what he's doing to these kids? Together, we can stop him. Together, we can do that. And all of us get a chance right now. We can build that street kid center. And Rwanda is a great place to do it. It was voted number one among developing nations by the World Bank for good governance, stability, and lack of corruption. And both in Rwanda and Sudan, we're working with reputable organizations. They've been around for a long time. They're committed to accountability. They, all, they both get audited by an external auditor. We will be able to track where every dollar goes, and every dollar will go to build that center and get kids clean water and education. No overhead. We can also lift families out of poverty in our own community through the Jubilee Reach Center. We can help children and youth who come to this church, all of whom are at risk in a different kind of a way by what our culture is doing to them. And the question is not, Oh, have I given enough? You know, have I sacrificed enough to make me miserable enough so I can get God off my case? That is not how God responds to us. That's not what God is asking of us. I believe God is simply asking us to pray every day and ask, Lord, how do you want me to be a part of this? And next week I'm going to talk about how we can hear his voice in prayer. So come back for part two next week. But for this week, pray. Maybe start with a number and just ask, Lord, is this the number? And see what he does to your heart between now and May 21st when we turn in our pledge cards. Maybe start with one or two lifestyle changes you could make and say, Lord, is this it? Some of you I know are praying about things like postponing retirement or selling off assets or giving up a vacation or a new car. Others of us, we can't afford to do that, some of you, and that's okay. For you, maybe it's giving up a latte a week or something like that. All of us, we can't all give the same amount, but all of us are needed. And all of us can engage with God earnestly. It is not about equal gifts. It's about equal engagement with God. And remember that this is a team effort. God's not looking at any one person expecting one person or one church to do it all. He just wants us to engage with him and let him move our hearts. And if we do that, he'll take care of all the rest. You know, this has been the best part of this campaign for me and my family. As a pastor, I will never ask you to do something I am not willing to do myself. And if I'm going to ask you to give, I think it's only fair that you know how Christina and I are approaching this whole thing. And we're going to make the largest financial commitment we've ever made in our lives outside of our home. Larger than anything we've purchased, larger than any car, anything like that. And for those of us who can do that, that's what it's going to take to get to the $14 million. For those of us who can do that. And the question my wife and I have been praying around is not what can we afford, but what can we give up? What lifestyle changes can we make for the next three years as we give to this campaign so that these kids can be changed? And it's going to be different for everyone. You don't have to do the things we're going to do. It's different for everyone. But for us, we believe God's asking us to do a couple of things. Fewer and cheaper vacations for the next three years. No major purchases. No home improvements. Date nights are going to be a lot cheaper. Baja Fresh, here we come. (laughs) We're going to postpone saving for our kids' college education. We're going to trust God for that. Besides, by the time they get there, it's going to cost like $8 billion anyway, so what's the point? (laughs) And we looked at some of these things, and then we started to think about smaller things we could do. My wife bought a cookbook called Miserly Moms. Doesn't that sound fun? 
I came home one day and she said, I've discovered that if we use tofu in the spaghetti, we can save all kinds of money over the years. So, <laughs> Well, one of the things that we decided to, that we could do was to cut my son's hair at home. The, the girls we would take to a barber, since their hair is more complex, but, you know, Jackson's a boy and he's only four and buzz cut was good enough for me. Buzz cut's good enough for him, right? Besides, by the time he's seven and getting conscious of his looks, the campaign will be over. We can take him to a barber, repair the damage. So we decided this, and Jackson agreed, not knowing the implications, I'm sure. And then a few days later, my six-year-old daughter, who is always very conscious of her appearance, always asking, Daddy, what do you think of the ribbon in my hair? Daddy, what do you think of my new dress? She came to my wife and she said, you know, if you want, you can cut my hair at home too if we can get more, give more money for the kids. For her, that's a big sacrifice. And for some reason, when my wife told that story, I don't know why, maybe I watched too much TV, but the MasterCard commercial popped into my head. Capital campaign, $14 million. Trip to the barber, $15. My daughter's rightly ordered heart before God, priceless. God doesn't use us to get projects done. He uses projects to get us done. We had to do this capital campaign, if for no other reason than my daughter's heart. When we give, we always get way more in return. My daughter is getting a kingdom heart, and she's excited to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of the children that are going to be touched. And just in case some of you are sitting there thinking, wait a minute, my kids don't respond that way. Just remember some of the other stories I've told you about my kids, you'll feel much better. Now, could we sacrifice even more? I suppose so. And as we continue to pray, we might. But this is what God, we believe God is asking us to do now. And this has been a process. We started with a much lower number, but through our prayers, God has increased that number. And you know what? It feels good. It is exhilarating. We're stepping out in faith. And it's exciting to be a part of what God is doing. Now, we haven't sacrificed every single thing, but we've sacrificed the things that God has asked us to do. And because of that, we're getting a lot of joy knowing that we're going to change the lives of a lot of kids. As Bruce Baker said a while back, the phrase, give till it hurts, isn't right. It should be give till it feels good. You see, this is not guilt and obligation and I ought to and I should, no. God didn't do that. It is about partnering with God out of a joyful response to what he's done for us. I mean, after all, God made the biggest sacrifice ever, right? Willing to sacrifice heaven's greatest asset, Jesus, so that we could be reconciled to him. And if he has sacrificed that much for us, won't he continue to take care of our needs? And it's out of the security of knowing that God provides. And it's out of a desire to be a part of what he's doing in the world that we give. Some of you scientific types have told a few of us on staff all about the physics of ripples. And talked about how when ripples go out, they create other ripples. And then those ripples bounce into other ripples and you just get more and more ripples. And apparently there's some scientific name for that, which is cool. We're going to stick with the ripple effect, though. And that's what's going to happen here, and we've seen it already. Children and youth who were raised in this church doing things like caring for the poor in Nicaragua or being youth leaders and changing kids' lives. And then kids in our youth program who will come here in the future because we've made space for them. 
Well, they'll affect their peers, and some of those kids will become Christian. And, and, and then as they grow, they'll take up positions of leadership in government and business and medicine and law and in the church. And, and then the kids in Rwanda will do the same thing. And the, at the Jubilee Reach Center, those kids will do the same thing. And we'll have ripples of influence going this way and ripples of influence going that way. Here a ripple, there a ripple, everywhere a ripple ripple. And we will be able to say, I'm a part of that. I am an investor in this enterprise called the kingdom of God. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. It's not government. It's not a charity organization. As good as those things are, I believe the local church is the hope of the world. And God invites all of us to partner with him in literally scaring the hell out of Satan as we take back what he stole from our God. And when we do that, whatever it is that we give up, is cheap at twice the price for the joy of our rightly ordered hearts before God and the legacy of lives redeemed through Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for such a gracious invitation that we get to partner with you in what you're doing in this world. You could have done it a different way, Lord, but thanks that you invite us to participate. And Lord, we ask that as we listen to this music, as we pray, as we move forward in this journey, that you would move our hearts to do that which you want us to do, Not out of obligation, but out of joy. We pray this in your name. Amen.